Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we're so happy to have with us one of my best friends all the way back to like middle school and also a good friend of Melissa and her husband, Mark, Lucy Miller Downing. Well, hello. Yay! That's me. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. <laughs> it's so good to see you too, because it's been way too long. So. It has. Yeah. It has. It's been a long time. I'm really yeah. happy to be here. We used to live close to each other, but then I moved to New York and Lucy moved to Texas. Yeah. Let's. We usually ask people where they're joining us from. I kind of just spoiled it. Yeah, so I'm coming from Austin, Texas. I've been here about 10 years. Keeping Austin weird. Keeping it weird, keeping it gentrified, you know, doing everything you can to keep up the spirit. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm from right now. And I love it. I love living here. So I'm here with my husband and my three kids. Oh, nice. And what kind of family did you grow up in? So I grew up in the same town as both of y'all. Yeah, I almost said y'all. I'm trying to get rid. I'm, <laughs> I'm from Kansas, but um, I have the started, Texas gets in. It, it does. It does. I have. I'm getting it a little bit. But yes, I'm from Camp Pittsburgh, and I grew up with a mommy and a daddy and a sister, <laughs> and we lived in a double wide in Kansas, and they were both educators, and it was a great childhood, and I really don't have any qualms. Like it was yeah. fine. It was great. <laughs> and I used to work with your dad. Yeah. We teachers at my old high school. Yeah. He, he taught science. He really liked it, but he I was I forgot really that he leave. moved to the high school because he was he my did. science teacher in, in eighth middle grade. school. Mm-hmm. And I, my mom was a principal for like 30 years and she runs a artist co-op there now. So that place is awesome. Yeah, I love the Pittsburgh it's, it's has that. It's a cute one. And my sister, she does something with banks. She's going to listen to this and be like, Lucy, I've told you. No, she has a deeper voice than that. And be like, Lucy, I told you what I do. I think she's an underwriter. <laughs> I think she's an underwriter for loans. I actually don't. I just took a homeowner education course, which is required by HUD and, to get an FHA loan and or something like that. I don't even know what I'm doing, but... I learned what an underwriter was. And I think that's what my sister does. I hear it. And I think undertaker. And that I think is very different. <laughs> it's very different. It's different. More dead people. <laughs> More dead people. Still, there's bills. You know, there's bills. <laughs> always. Always numbers. Well, the last question we always ask our guests is what your history with the show Parenthood was. Were you a regular viewer? Was this your first time? When it started, I think I was living in Kansas City. I lived in Kansas City with my husband for about a year before we moved down here. And so it was like 2010, right? When it yes. was at the first. Yeah. So I watched the first season casually and I liked it. I had no problem with it. And then we just moved and I got Netflix, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I didn't have to watch. I didn't have to watch shows with, with um, commercials anymore. So I really didn't. I haven't watched it since I, occasionally it'll be on and and I'll I'll invest in it but um I'm coming at this very objectively from like an outsider perspective nice I like that yeah that's good and we always tell our guests who haven't seen the show in depth don't feel obligated to like it just because you're okay, on good. a uh, podcast about <laughs> it because okay. some of our best well, I guess we've only only had one guest who was like I did not care for it but it was still a really good conversation because he yeah. was, he still 
discussed it and well i think it's it's hard because it's hard you know when you have two people that you care about very very much who are creating a show about i mean creating a podcast about a show they obviously like it a lot and you don't want to hurt their feelings <laughs> and so it would be like i'd be like what the heck is wrong with you no i'm joking <laughs> like, I, I never knew um but i i'm ready to get into it <laughs> yeah let's dive in today we're discussing parenthood season two episode 13 opening night it was written by Monica Henderson Beletsky. She's credited as Monica Henderson on this specific episode, but on IMDb, she's also credited as Monica Beletsky. So I'm just throwing all of her names out there so that if anyone just is like, safe. I'm going to Google her, yeah. you have all the information you need. <laughs> it was directed by Ken Whittingham. It originally aired on January 18th, 2011. And here's the NBC synopsis. Christina and Adam catch Hattie sneaking around with Alex and forbid her from seeing him anymore. <laughs> I got very dramatic. Sorry. No, keep going. Him. Sarah I like faces it. A new Use that voice. <laughs> Sarah faces a new challenge when yes. Drew tells her he needs to sell $500 worth of wrapping paper. <laughs> Meanwhile, Crosby and Jasmine have to deal with Jabbar's bad case of stage fright right before the school play. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, what will that five-year-old do? <laughs> I just this has been a multi-episode arc, the school play. And I'm just oh on pins God. and needles waiting to find out what happens. It's bonkers. It's the longest arc of any <laughs> storyline on the show so far, I feel like. It's right up there with, with Hattie and Amber and Steve. I think I'm really glad that I uh get to be here for the end of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The exciting. And conclusion. we're really glad that it's it. Yes, it's a it's a stretch. Well, let's dive into the the main storyline of this episode because the episode starts right with it too. Hattie getting caught. Alex, what are you doing here? Is there something wrong? I think you should leave. Um, Dad, Alex was just like driving in the neighborhood. Uh Just in the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. Listen, you two aren't going anywhere together today. You should leave. Am I missing something? I'm sorry. I think you should go, and I'll call you. You're something Max, else. What? Wait, you pay for him. I have this gift. I did not raise you to be a liar and a sneak. We talked about this, honey. What what is he doing here? Why, Why couldn't you come and here? talk to us about this? Why do you have to sneak around behind our back? You didn't and lie to us. Listening to me. You guys well, now's not the time to talk about it. Get in the house. Just go. You're grounded. Go. It's going to be really hard for me to be objective about this storyline. I'm just going to throw that out there right well, now. Well, just say whatever you're thinking, objective or not. I'm just furious at Adam Christina this entire episode. Furious. When Adam says in that little speech, why did you do this instead of talk to us? I was like, oh, are you kidding, mister? This conversation is over, which is what happened the last time. <laughs> I wrote time. down those exact words. Oh, I just thought... How dare you? I, I can see being upset that she broke the rules, but to act like we're totally reasonable parents, you should have just talked to us. Yet she tried that and you completely, yeah, I was just furious, furious. Okay. What about you two? What did, what did you think? Well, <laughs> I had similar views because I didn't know, I couldn't remember and I didn't have time to go back and look, watch the episode before it so that I could get some context because the first couple of things I read wrote just from watching it for the first time was like, oh my God, these two people are such racists. Hashtag Team Hattie. Um, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan is a good looking man. Um, what Indeed. is with this tightly wound family? 
um, kids. Oh my God. Oh wait, no. Um, yeah, those were the, the, that was the first couple for that. Yeah. Um, so I don't care if they say they weren't being kind of racist. They were super racist and, and we'll get into it more. I think why I think so later on in the episode, but those guys are so awful. Like the whole, the whole time I was watching this, it was really hard for me to not want to be, I mean, like the whole time I thought, I don't want to be around these people. Like they're just like overstimulating. And then they're almost like shock and awe, you know, like ah, they were screaming at her out there. Like, how is that? I get, you know, yeah, she lied. I guess she snuck out, but obviously they don't pay attention to the people in front of them and their facial expressions and what's going on. Because if I were her, him, and I walked out and I was like, what are you doing here, Alex? You can heavenly tell because Michael B. Jordan's a great actor that he was like, what do you mean? I mean, yeah, he was clearly blindsided. Yeah. If I saw that, then I'd be like, oh, okay. You know what? Hey, Hattie, come on inside for a second. Let's talk for blah, blah, blah. Like he was, they were just big freaking horrible babies. I would be embarrassed if I did that. I don't know. I just, I was mad at them. Okay. Yeah. I think it's one of their worst episodes, I think, as far as like, yeah, they do not come off well in this episode. They attacked everybody. Yeah. And I felt so bad for Hattie that Alex like just took off and kind of in that scene, he almost seemed to blame her when he's like, you're something else. But then yeah. in the next scene where she talks about it with him, he had a great point, which is that, you know, he's in AA and, you know, it's so much about being honest and being upfront with people and that you're only as sick as your secrets. You don't have any secrets. And he didn't know that he was part of any deception going on. And she just kind of roped him into it. And like you said, Lucy, like he was clearly so caught off guard, like what's happening on that lawn and now suddenly he has to feel like, oh, was I part of some lie? And it's like, you weren't, but she she made you part of it. Yeah. And that's really not cool. And it hadn't even occurred to me until he said it that she had been putting him in mm-hmm. really a not a great position. And I also thought it was funny since you mentioned that <laughs> that Adam and Christina were racist. You know, he recognized it right away. He says it immediately. I'm glad. And that she has that like very, I think very human, but not very attractive quality of like, well, I can criticize my parents because the last episode she said, is it because he's black to them? And she's okay saying that, but she doesn't want someone else criticizing her parents. It's the nice white liberal racism too. It's the, it's the kind that's like, you know, what we're all trying to be deprogrammed from right now anyway. Right. Right. And so it's, but it's, it's interesting because this came out in 2011. And so I have to say, and just so it's understood to your viewers, I am a white woman, a white female, (laughs) um, um, that I've learned so much since then. So I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have seen this maybe necessarily. I might have, because it's pretty clear that they were being just little Karens and Kyles. But um, like, (laughs) like, chill out on this guy. He's only three years older than your kid. And yeah, Yeah. so that man, he's an adult and he's got some issues. But So why are you screaming at him? Um, Like, God, he's not a 40-year-old trucker, you know. Um, (laughs) So he works at a pantry like oh I know I can, I'm gonna go on and on but but the point is is I just think it's a it's definitely more of a a nice white liberal like it's just they're really bad 
They're afraid of him, I yes. think, and, and, and they don't see it. They are very comfortable saying it has nothing to do with race. But the, the thing that kept striking me that made me so upset about that, that opening scene was the way that Adam just ran out onto the, into the front yard and started screaming at this young black man. And I just can't separate that. And I know that Adam's like mostly a good person. I, I, I get that and everything. But I was like, I just kept being in Alex's point of view and thinking, how terrifying must that be? And charged in a way that it wouldn't be if Alex were white. And even though later in the episode, they have a lovely conversation, you know, mostly. Well, yeah, I have thoughts about that too, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, At least I guess a calmer conversation later where I think Alex maybe sees that there are other reasons too. But in that moment, all he sees is this like angry white man coming towards him, screaming. And I don't think it even occurs to Adam to see beyond his own anger and indignation. Yes. He, you know, to to see what must this look like to someone else um, who lives in a very different world than I do. And being yelled at for him is a different thing than being yelled at for me. In fact, when was the last time anyone yelled at Adam? It doesn't happen very often. No, because he always yells at them first. God. Um, (laughs) I love that actor. He's so good at being just so wound up. (laughs) stress me out all the time but I yeah I think that's right and I also one of the things that one thing that I thought was that I wonder you know they say they're not racist and it's not about his race it's about that he's an AA and that he's 1920 and she's 16 he lives in his own apartment yeah I mean that's fine whatever but obviously it's they act like they never knew him but the grandma was like I've known him since he was nine and I'm like Take that into consideration. That yeah, means like, something. It means something. And it also means something that he's in AA, right? But yeah. I wonder if Hattie had brought home a white man with those same qualities, you know, it might have been the same, but would they have been so aggressively like, you're not going up? I mean, I just, I wonder what the situation, how it would have played out. You know, I don't know. It just kind of, it just kind of makes me think of all those people who are still like, the Civil War was about states' rights. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, that's not what this is about. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, that could be a play, but is it really? Is it? Is this how you behave to somebody? I don't know. Well, and also, even aside from their, like, casual racism, just even just their parenting style, it, this has struck me before about them. I feel like they are so combative with Hattie. I mean, like, when they find out that she skipped school... They call her into their bedroom and they are like standing there like, you know, the Inquisition about to grill her Mm -hmm. about where were you? We got an email. Do you want to see it? We have proof. It's like, have a conversation. Turn the temperature down. Like when when Hattie ran into her grandma at the food bank and they were driving to school together, Camille's advice was simmer down. Let things calm down. And I thought this is good advice. But I think Adam and Christina probably need to hear it even more than Hattie does. They do. Yeah. And I think it's something that drives me crazy about this conflict is that it it just seems like there's a fairly obvious, if not solution, then like strategy to tackling this issue. I don't know why they're jumping to screaming at the the kid on their front lawn and taking her door off like let's have a conversation i agree with you because they they are just so wound up and they're so combative that it's borderline to me like it's borderline 
I would want that kid out of there. Not like, oh, call the cops. But like, they, this is just not helping. Like, if you see your kid in cry, like my kids, when I yell at them, I yell at them, whatever. But if I see that, if I see that there's actually something like, oh, I see that you're in crisis or I see that there's yeah. something behind what you're doing besides just trying to be a little turd, but like, oh, <laughs> what's wrong? Okay, let's take a break. Let's sit down. So tell me what's going on. And another thing I wanted to point out about that scene is that those two perpetuate, at least in this episode, and in, if I remember correctly from the first season, those two create their own horrible lives. And they <laughs> they are the reason life is so stressful because they are so stressful. I have a daughter on the spectrum, right? When I'm agitated or in a heightened state, if I'm angry, even just a little bit, it affects how she behaves it mm. the kids you know and any kid kids feed off their parents right like she can't do it like she's a wound up and i'll be like what the f- what the hell is wrong with her she's driving me freaking crazy but i'm like oh i just went you know <laughs> and so the thing i wanted to bring up with that is just that like there's a reason max is so annoying <laughs> Like his, his parents are stressing him out. Like he is, he is exhibiting behavior of a kid who is really being stressed beyond what is necessary at all, but they get it from their dad. They get it from Zeke. We'll go on. (laughs) That's a really good point. Lucy, since you have kids and, you know, Caleb and I don't, it's our longstanding <laughs> Actually, disclaimer. I just got some exciting news. <laughs> <laughs> Ten um, years ago. Uh, I was not kidding. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Breaking no, news. But, <laughs> break- <laughs> no, but um, you're, you're making me think, like, this is so interesting. You're talking about how, like, they're stressful as parents. Yes. And... That is something they've acknowledged before. Like they have in previous episodes, like a calendar that is just filled to the brim. Like there's no, no time to fit anything in. And, you know, to be honest, I never even questioned that before since I don't have kids. I'm like, maybe this is just what it's like to raise children. Every spare moment is scheduled up, but you have three kids. Is that what it's like for you? Like every spare second is scheduled up. Here's just a quick example of how it's not like that for me. We got my daughter a guitar, like an electric guitar. We have not gotten lessons. Like, it's just there. Like, we just don't. We, but everybody's different, right? And I and I think some parents like that, are like that. But I don't know them because I don't want to, I'm not friends with them. Um, but, but, yeah, no, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. It's a lot of meandering, staring at each other making some more mac and cheese, you know, (laughs) but when I used to teach and when I used to work with parents, there are parents like that. And you know what? (laughs) This is not going to be a funny joke, but I'm going to say it. Oh no. We used to identify those parents and we would be like, Oh, poor Sophia. She's got one of those parents. Sophia's going to have an eating disorder. Cause they're the (laughs) kind of parents that like, they're the kind of parents that are just like, (sighs) <sighs> listeners you can't you can't the see exasperation us, but, on her face yeah yeah lucy <laughs> just like shook her fists in the air because it's it's, yeah. it's 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 true though i mean you get if you're around somebody if you're say you don't you're not you don't have kids that's fine but if you're around somebody or you live with someone or you know even if you're on the bus with someone and that person is in a 
heightened state of like agitation or just yelling, it makes you uncomfortable, right? Like it reverberated. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the last four years, we have all been a nervous wreck because some, yes. but because, because the, because <laughs> what's going on in the White House is like one big dramatic episode of parenthood. It's just, ee, 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 you know? Zeke has been president. Yes. Oh. And everybody is just like I'm stressed just Zeke has a good heart. fuck out. Zeke does have a I good mean, heart. they all are probably great people. People, but they I don't want to be their friends like, and especially me. like you point out with a child with autism like we know with Max that he has he's very sensitive like he gets sensory overload really yeah, easy like really when easy. he like smashed a fish tank because the sound was mm-hmm. was you know it affects him more than it does someone without that and I had never, it had never occurred to me, but you're so right. Cause you know, even like neurotypical people, if you're around someone, they're, they're like energy rubs off. You're irritating. On you. You're like, Oh, I don't want to be your God. Yeah. Well, I even wrote down, they're responding irrationally and I don't understand how they can't see that it will only inflame the situation. And I said, they seem so oblivious to it that it actually strains the credibility of the story and the characters for me a little bit. Like, I almost don't believe that two people could be so unself-aware. I don't think it's that, though, honestly. I think they are doubling down. I think they are both having moments in this episode where they realize they're wrong. And I feel like there's some sort of interesting issue where they can't admit it. Like, maybe they have, you know, after you take down your daughter's door and screamed at a perfectly nice person in the yard, maybe it's very difficult to admit we are wrong. <laughs> because, you know? They should be embarrassed, though. But I, yeah. I, you, you're I, right, though. I think, because I think when Adam has that, that one-on-one conversation with Alex, even though he doesn't say he changes his mind and he doesn't change his mind, I feel like there are moments on his face where he's like, this is actually exactly who my daughter should be like this I'm so lucky that that you know and then like Christina when she's talking to Camille I feel like part of the reason she's such a bitch to her is because is because I think what Camille says makes sense so anyway but we're... I kind of I, I agree with you on that that those are good points I guess I have to look at it that way too but I also when she has that conversation with her mother-in-law right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, she could be embarrassed and she doesn't want to admit it. But like, I read it as, wow, this woman is so self-absorbed. She's not taking what Camille is saying. She's just reflecting back that she's met. It's so much about her. Like, oh, yeah. so Hattie told you that instead of being like, oh, my daughter is in crisis. Like, or my daughter right. is having a moment. You know this boy, Alex, right? He works at the food bank. Yeah, I know him really well. Okay. You know, I've been working at the center for a long time. I've known him since he was about nine. Yeah. You know, he's really a good kid. He's, I'm sure, great, but he's not really a kid. He's 19. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's the trouble we're having. She, she thinks that she's in love with him, and she wants to date him, and Adam and I told her that it's completely inappropriate. Well, she told me all about it. Who, she told, I had it yesterday. You saw her yesterday? When I drove her to school. She didn't tell you? Wait, no, she didn't tell me anything. Oh, what? gee, I just assumed that she did. No, she didn't. It was just, she was really, she was really upset. There was a lot of drama, a uh-huh. lot of tears on the way to school, and, you know, typical, usual stuff for girls this age. But, but I tried to work through it with her. 
That's great. That's wonderful. She feels really comfortable confiding in you more than her own mother. Oh, well. Sorry, I just, I see, can't. You know, sometimes young girls feel more comfortable talking to someone who's not their mother. And of course, when you tell a teenage girl that she can't have something, she's going to want it even more. I mean, you know that. Right. So what you're saying is basically that Adam and I are making a mistake by not letting her date a 19-year-old recovering alcoholic oh, that lives oh, alone. No, no, no. Chris, that's exactly what, what I'm saying. That's exactly what you're saying. I'm so stupid that I even came over that's here. That's not what I'm saying. You could have Chris, called Camille. I, I picked up on the same thing. Well, and I, I, maybe it was last episode or a few episodes ago. Melissa and I were talking about how Christina does have this streak of entitlement to her. And I, I mean, as we're to say, they both do, but I think she, especially she, she gets her way, I think in sometimes kind of sneaky ways. And I thought that with her and Camille, first of all, Camille does have kind of a know-it-all quality to her, <laughs> and, but then Christina just feels entitled to have things her way. Like, well, I told her not to see him, so she shouldn't see him. And like, Yes, I think children should obey their parents. And if they just flagrantly disobey them, I do think there should be consequences. But you have to examine, like, is it me? (laughs) Have we (laughs) asked something of them that is unreasonable? Anyway, I I totally believed the friction between those two. Because I'm like, oh, you take a know-it-all and someone who thinks she's entitled to have everything go her way and put them together, and there's going to be friction there. Also, I was distracted by Camille's nicknames for Christina. I think just because we never heard them before. (laughs) No, we hadn't. Chris and Chrissy. And it also bothered me at the end, just while I'm ragging on Camille a little bit. Go for it. Even though I was more on Camille's side in that argument. At the end, when Camille's trying to apologize and she does that, you know, cut that out, meaning Christina's crossed arms. Oh, I hate people like that. Because I thought, are you trying to apologize right now by playfully criticizing me? (laughs) <laughs> that's not cute and I, I, I know people like that who are like oh isn't it fun when i just kind of like tease you and give you a hard time yeah. fyi for anyone out there whoever wants to be on my good side no i don't think it's cute at all. <laughs> well that initial conversation between camille and christina two things really struck me besides the weird nicknames you're right that was weird i was i was distracted by that but um Number one, I thought it was really obnoxious the way that Christina said she thinks she's in love with him. I'm like, that is so condescending. Who are you to say? Mm -hmm. I know she's young, but that's so dismissive. And 16 is certainly young enough, I think, to to feel love. And Also, Hattie has never used that word yet. At least not that we've heard. I mean, in this episode, she says to Adam and Christina, this makes no sense. I met someone who I like. Mm, That's true. She does say that. So yeah, that's just like maybe adding hmm. a layer. I don't know. But the other thing that really got me as as a teacher, I was really struck that Christina says, well, that's great. She confided in you. And for a split second, I didn't catch the sarcasm. And I thought she was truly saying, it's great that my daughter has someone to confide yeah. in. But then she keeps going and says, and she won't confide in her own mother. And I'm like, Oh man, that's like when teachers want to be every kid's favorite and they feel really competitive with other teachers instead of just being thrilled when a kid makes a connection with someone. We just want to make sure these kids are okay. And, and, you know, you got to get your ego out of it sometimes, you know, of course, Hattie's not confiding in you right now. You're keeping her from the person that she wants to be with and, and, 
Camille's the person who thinks they should be together. So well, duh, and plus, Christina. Like, they're not letting, <laughs> I mean, she can't confide in them because confide to them because they won't let her talk. They're just yelling, just mm-hmm. yelling and yelling and yelling and taking down her door, which by yeah. the way, I don't know. They've said that I, that's not a good thing to do. I hate that. I think it really tr- bothered me. Yeah. Cause like, how is she supposed to get dressed? Like I was like, oh, you want your they kid. They said bathroom. Yeah. That's what they said. And again, I'm it so- just escalates things so needlessly fast. Like, yeah. She's not going to be like, oh, they took down my door. I guess I'll behave. Like, obviously right. they know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know do that. And then the, what, okay. I'll stop bashing after this, but the one last thing that really blew me off course with that particular family was that like they are all worried about her and they want her to be a kid and to to experience life at it at the right time and not be with an adult who's two and a half three years older than her so they're so cautious and worried about her all the time but then she just walks off into the dark after the <laughs> thing like i was like what the fuck are you doing crazy like oh it's like as long as i guess as long as she's not walk i mean as long as she's not dating a black man then i guess oh, she's fine let her I know, be a sorry. street walker yeah <laughs> sorry oh did anybody God. else get that because then like then they're like when she ran away like if my daughter was having a bad time with me or we were not getting along that's one thing but if my underage daughter like left and said she was going to run away and like not in a cute way that like five-year-olds do you know but like <laughs> legitimately what left i would be worried like they are worrying about the wrong things like they're yes. you know like they're all panicky about this relationship and trust but she can't even trust them to come after her when she's walking away from them like how can she trust them i don't know it's just yeah well, know. and like to speak to that, like they don't want her to grow up too soon, which is what Adam explains to Alex. I get what he's saying. And I yes. think it's very, Alex is a much bigger person than Adam is to say like, oh, you're a good dad. Like, wow, that's very enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> that he can like that was written by an adult. It. So, <laughs> right. It was. That was written by and Alex. Like continues yeah. his streak of maybe being. <laughs> A little too perfect but anyway yeah. so i get his concerns and i think that's great but i think it's maybe why i brought up earlier that hattie hasn't used the word love yet to me i think it just speaks to the fact that she is not being childish about this you know yeah. she's not saying why won't you let me see him i love him that's not it she doesn't know that she loves him she's more mature about it but she likes him she knows she likes him and it's not some childish whim that she's just digging in her heels about so to say you don't want her to have to deal with adult things is one thing but she is by wanting to be with alex she's saying i get that this is an an adult thing but i want to be a part of it i'm signing up for it i'm 16 good lord you know what i had done by 16 like (laughs) (laughs) but it's like so help her deal with those things instead of just forbidding her from dealing with them and becoming the enemy they're like making themselves their daughter's enemy Yeah. yeah i mean and that happens i think we've all been teenagers i remember feeling that way not because my parents 
were like this at all, but because they were being very honest when they're like, you smell like weed, <laughs> you get to stay home. And or, <laughs> no joking. Which I mean, guy, oh, uh, I won't talk about the cops, but anyway, um, they maybe clean the chimney, but that's different. <laughs> that's different. I don't care. I don't care. I didn't care. Um, but, but the, I think they just, God, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know, but it was, yeah. <laughs> They're just not good parents right now. They're just rough. I did get a big laugh out of, at, well, not out of Adam, but in this scene. Why? The kid from the soup kitchen? Yeah, well, he's not a kid, okay? He's 19. He's got his own apartment. He's an AA. It's a complicated situation. Can I get his number? Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. It's awful. No, just <laughs> See, Sarah that gets big, it. That got a big laugh out of me. Yeah, Sarah oh. is my favorite character, by the way. She's the only one that I could sit by and be friends with. <laughs> like the rest of them, I would just be like, God, get me away as far as I can. She's, she's by far the most normal person on the show. She is. Okay, I really want to talk about that, and I want to get into that storyline, but I do want to unpack that conversation with Adam and Alex. I didn't know you and your wife told Hattie she couldn't see me. If I had known, I wouldn't have seen her. I appreciate that. And my wife will appreciate that. Because I worked really hard to be 100% honest with my life, especially with other people, to be honest to myself. And I understand you and Ms. Braverman think I'm not good enough for your daughter. That is and, not the case. Not, I don't know what Hattie... I'm not trying to change your mind, sir. But whatever boogeyman you think I am, I'm not that guy. Not anymore. You came here to my office, you're talking to me like a man. I appreciate that. It's not that I don't think you're good enough for my daughter. It's that Hattie will be an adult dealing with adult things for most of her life. But right now she's 16, and her mother and I want her to be 16 without rushing into adulthood for as long as she can. You know where I'm coming from? I get it. <laughs> I wonder how I would have turned out if I had parents like you. That part, I was like, um, the you're fuck? perfect, though, is the thing. So <laughs> I don't understand how you could have turned out any fucking better than you did. So, pro- yeah. I, mean, I mean, I get it. He probably means, like, yeah, I because have gone through a the, drinking period. Yeah, I yeah. I really had a real bad big issue with this scene, and I know that it was like this come to Jesus scene for both of them, and it was heavenly. And there was he was <laughs> Michael B. Jordan was backlit, and I you know what I like I like Michael B. Jordan backlit, frontlit. I love him, um, <laughs> but the problem with that wasn't even in in the characters; it was in the the writers who created the characters. It was such a White savior. White savior. Yes. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, a white savior. We were all thinking it clearly. Thank you so much for explaining that to me. Now I guess I'm okay. And you know what? And also he's like, it's not that you're not good enough for my daughter. It's just that she, she doesn't need to be dealing with adult things. Well, I'm sure if Michael B. Jordan's character were a real person, they should have probably thought, well, then what part of my teenage life is not, good enough for your kid oh is it because i'm an alcoholic okay so you are saying i'm not good enough for your daughter because i because i there's some part of me that you don't want her to deal up with yeah i'm gonna be a burden to yeah that somehow. i'm gonna be a burden yeah like 
she's not like they're living together. She ain't paying his mortgage. Like he's not going to be a burden. Like if they don't like each other, they'll break up. He's still a teenager. He's still a teenager. You know, wait, you raise a really good point that I hadn't thought of. Cause in a previous episode, they say like, you know, if she were 19, that would be a completely different story. They say 21. They oh, say 21. 21. Well, anyway, it's, it would be a different story, but there is, in a way, there's an advantage to her being 16 because she does still live in their house. Yeah. So yeah. they are able to monitor this more than if she were living on her own. And like if yeah. she were 19 and he was what whatever, she'd be on her own, but she wouldn't be that much more mature. And she'd be navigating this stuff all by herself. Mm-hmm. They have such an opportunity here to be advocates and allies to their child and to yes. help her deal with stuff, even if it is maybe a little bit beyond her. And instead, I feel like they're choosing to be enemies. And well, and they're choosing whatever. what they're choosing, what part of adulthood she gets. I mean, I guess that's part of parenthood, but like they're not giving her an opportunity to become an adult that can deal with these things because they're not letting this is the perfect opportunity to teach your kid how to deal or how to work through some tough situations and it's not like she's five if she were five i'd be like yeah play barbies but like i mean (laughs) but she's 16 this is a good time to have this conversation and in a really safe way because guess what she has to come home every night like you said she's a freaking teen he's not much he's still technically a teen okay but back to that scene sorry the part that really hurt for me to watch besides the white savior thing was just like the course the like one of the few black characters in the show comes from poverty comes from I thought that too comes has an alcoholic background has all I mean like it's just nowadays that shit gets called out like you can't write that into a script you can't it's it's just a, it's a stereotype then it got all like for me it got all like blindsidey when he's like I wish I had a dad like you and I'm like oh stop it or I wish I had parents like you or and I don't know I I guess maybe the best thing to say is that it was a very dated scene yeah yeah no I I it was interesting to watch because I like both of those actors so much I don't know it almost tricked me like I I teared up you know and I was like oh this is and then and then the more I thought about it the more bothered I was and it was really that the the ending of it really got me you know with with I wish it had you know parents like you and I just thought but you turned out so great and right now these parents are being unreasonable um you know and 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 it also discounts all your experiences and and I also thought when Adam says I want to keep her 16 as long as she can I thought well, I don't know. I was 16 when my dad died and like stuff happens sometimes that makes you grow up and you can't protect kids from everything. And also what was Alex's life when he was 16? And, and I just think what a privileged statement to be like, I, I don't want her to hang out with the likes of you. Cause you've seen too much. It's like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> I just want to maintain her privilege for as long as <laughs> yeah. I can. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and you so. know what? I mean, even just the whole idea of like, why is Alex coming to Adam's work to apologize to him? Yeah, right. I mean, he I attacked Alex. Yeah. yeah. On one hand, I get it. I, I think just knowing Alex is in AA and that he now feels like he was a participant in some kind of lie, that he is just like being as above board as he can possibly be. So I bought it, that side. What now I'm realizing might have really had a big impact in the scene 
is if after Alex essentially apologizes, if Adam had said, you know what? I really overreacted when I saw you. I thought that this had been resolved and it hadn't been. And it just caught me off guard. I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. He never did. It would have made a big difference, but he didn't do that at all. He's just like, oh, I admire you for coming here and prostrating yourself before me. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, this whole storyline made me think about, like I've been struck by how mature Hattie has seemed in recent episodes. Like a lot of times throughout the first season, she was kind of like bratty teenager and she hasn't seemed that way nearly as much, especially since she met Alex. And then now in this episode, she was kind of right back to it. But, it seemed so obvious. It's like, well, it's because of how her parents are behaving. And they have one of those like very cliched things where she's like, you're treating me like a baby. And they said, well, quit acting like a baby. And it never occurred to me before that. I think that dynamic is sort of like the chicken or the egg. I Mm -hmm. I don't think they're treating Hattie like a baby because she's acting like a baby. I think she's acting like a baby because they're they're treating treating her. her. Yeah. What else is she supposed to do? Yeah. Except just yell at them, I don't like you. <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> that they've they've gone, you know, they're not talking to her. They're talking at her. Yes. Here is our decree. Here's what we say. You don't have a door. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Oh, and in the, even in the end, whenever, towards the end, when he comes into the auditorium and he's like, where's Hattie? It's like he's a freaking bulldog. On her. Where's Hattie? She's in the car moping. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. And it's funny because at least in my brief experiences with Zeke, he's doing the same. He was like, that's unacceptable. Who wears the pants in the family? Like he was just like a bulldog. Like just get out. Of, stop being such a nosy Nancy. Get out of my <laughs> business. Like, I, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. He was just like, where is that's unacceptable. Why is she in there? Like, She's at, why is everybody going to see his five-year-old's play? Like, <laughs> I mean, my husband and I basically rock, paper, scissor to see who has to carry it. Grab, <laughs> that. Like, you know, like, film it, everybody. That is a family that sticks together. They did everything together. When they don't have boundaries, which is something we talk about a lot, and they don't give each other space, which is something else we've talked about. Like, it is, I think, perfectly reasonable if Hattie is upset for her to not want to go to this play. And obviously they don't trust her to be alone in the house. So in this moment, she just wants to be by herself. Okay, I guess it's the car. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for Adam to want to control absolutely everything about her, I found really upsetting, almost triggering, actually. I'm like, just let her sit in the fucking car. Like, who cares? Yeah, who's she She hurting? She's not hurting anyone. She just needs to calm down, like Camille said, like Caleb said, like just simmer, you know, because everything is just at 11. And she just and, you know, I really I thought it was kind of awesome when she got out of that car after the play and just, you know, and when she said she wanted to walk home, she was like, I don't want to be in the car with you. She's being very direct. And some people might say that that's like incredibly rude and you don't talk to your parents that way. But I they have alienated her to the point where I, I think she's just trying to be honest. I, I don't yeah. want to be in the car with you. Yeah, she yeah. could have said a lot of things. And they haven't been really adults to her. They have been no. really pretty catty to her. But yeah, they she was very direct. And I mean, it shut them up. 
Yeah. I mean, I would have been like, no, you're not walking home by yourself. <laughs> like, you're, you, I mean, if you want to ride with your crazy grandpa or your neurotic <laughs> aunt or when you go like, God, there's nobody, there's nobody you could ride with. That Dak guy, the big, the big nose guy, he's married to that girl who likes koalas. Sloths. Sloths, yeah. <laughs> Kristen Bell. <laughs> Oh. You got it. Yeah. I I was with you. Okay, good. <laughs> and then and then yeah, him and that dumb hat that he wore to the play. I, I know I shouldn't think about that, but that hat, it was the dumbest thing I ever saw. If I saw somebody walking up to me with that hat, I'd be like, "Run, get the mace." But um he's he's not trustworthy. Um or he's in a, he's in a high school jazz band or something like that. It was the dumbest little hat. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. You see, like, he just reminded me of everybody I didn't want to ever be around when I was younger. Oh, uh, yeah, I would have told him to take the hat off. But him, he and then that lawyer mom, they're all like, they're just. Controlling? Yeah. And then Nate from Six Feet Under. Yeah, they're all just super. I just don't know if I could watch that all the time if they were always like it. And maybe they they have better. Maybe they have episodes where they're a little chiller. But um, I think you did just illuminate like one of the big differences of Sarah from the rest of them. I think she is by far the least controlling yeah. of any of the four siblings. She lets her children be who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love her. Without ignoring them. She does the opposite of ignore them, but she doesn't try to yeah, control them. But she's of course the black sheep because she's single, right? Like she's a single mom and she, you know, because so that's, drug addict. I mean, how privileged is this family that that's the black sheep? Like, <laughs> like she's a great person and she's like, what the hell? She, she does live with her parents. So I mean that in a good way, like they welcomed her home and, and yeah. like Zeke calls her a shining angel. Like and, and they've both basically told Sarah she's their favorite. So so okay, it's interesting. Yeah. So it is interesting. She is kind of the black sheep in certain ways, but she's adored. Um, oh, yeah. OK, I, good. I, mean, I, guess I, I Yeah. I think that's important uh, to good. mention. I'm glad she's adored because she needs to be adored. She should and you know be. Who, and you know who else should be adored? And maybe I maybe I'm saying this just as cause the episode I remember because I saw it yesterday um, is. Oh, what's his name? He's married to Kristen Bell, whatever his name is. Dax Crosby. Shepherd? Yeah, the guy with the bad hat. Yes, Crosby. Yeah. Um, that's even a douche name. I'm sorry. I'm just like, <laughs> a douche name. Of course a guy named Crosby would wear that hat. Does anyone still wear a hat? <laughs> but, but his wife is gorgeous, and she is actually absolutely correct about not pressuring your kid I, to be I thought the, she was right too yeah, yeah. because that's actually oh. that's documented that's like a scientific I'm, not, I'm gonna get all scientific with you guys for my senior project before I graduated college I had to pick like a topic that I was gonna do this big bibliography on and all these like research things and I did like I even went and I worked in a school to get more information about it so basically theater for ages 10 and under it's actually called creative play, right? And it was it was really well, like the research and was funded all the way up until Reagan came in. And Reagan was like, well, I don't know what Reagan did, but he shut that down. <laughs> but um, so anyway, so the research is a little old, but all of it says that pushing a kid to perform is basically 
like pushing a kid into a pool when they're the first they don't want to get in and learn how to swim you know what I mean like you I'm can't laughing because that. that's happened on this show too that's, that's how Julia taught her kid to swim these fucking people what and she I learned love it from you guys dad. like how she learned it from Zeke we can trace it all back (laughs) this you're not supposed to do that because it actually can really screw up their psyche and it's not like oh poor baby it's like it literally if they're five or four and you make them do it against their will or whatever like um yeah it can be seen as a huge triumph for you know crosby as being like able to get his kid to get up there and do something he didn't know he wanted to do but the thing is is that your brain reacts in a way that it can screw up with your ability to like with public speaking until you're a lot older, not just like the stereotypical, I become like a introverted techie, but like it actually does do some harm. So when you do plays with kids that age and people do plays the way they did, there's a lot of scenes that were pretty accurate, but the best way to approach it in a way that's going to create long-term excitement about it for the majority of kids, not kids like me and Caleb who were bound to do it forever anyway, is to have them devise the show. And it's not necessarily so scripted. It's less product-based and more process-based, if that makes sense. So like the scene that was really accurate for me was when he was like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I mean, when I taught preschool theater, you know how many times within a performance that a character would be changed <laughs> like or you know like with halfway through it's like okay now billy wants to be the cat all right well <laughs> the cat you know like you know that changes on a whim and him being like i just didn't want to do it that's very accurate there was one thing i laughed out loud at there's a scene where i think dax or whatever his name is the guy who's married to kristen crosby bad hat guy um <laughs> I think he says, I think he says his dad comes in, like Zeke comes in to talk to his son about his five-year-old grandkids decision not to say a fucking line in a play. Like, God, like these people. So he stops the play. He stops the play and he's like, all right, take a break. And he turns around and I laughed so hard because like, what do you think a kid, a group of kindergartners is going to do if you're like, just take a break and turn around? You think they're going to go over five, the, Yeah, take five. five. What do you think they're doing? You're stupid. Like, that would, you would never come back from that break. Like, it would just be. <laughs> That's so true. Yes. Or the kids would be lost. Or like, where's Maybe the an army thing? of adults standing by ready yeah. to come to them. Yeah. Like, I've never said, hey, kids, let's take a five minute break to kindergartners. You don't say that because they're like, what the fuck is that? Like, what is that? What's the next thing? Like, what are you talking about? You have to have like, you know, we're okay, guys, we're gonna line up. We're gonna go play outside or okay, here's what we're gonna do next. But you don't just turn your back and say, take a break. I was like, wow, I guess in California. (laughs) Sorry. Well, just for a second, Lucy, am I right for our listeners who don't know? In college, you studied theater and early childhood development, right? Yes. Okay. So this is not yeah. like, just like, oh, I took a class. Like, no, no, no. This is what this you is, majored in I, in th- your yeah, career. Yeah. yeah. Before I um, became a theater manager, I was really involved in early childhood development and theater. So that's what I, I studied and graduated college as well. And um, yeah, so that's what I used to do. So, Melissa, you generally agreed with Lucy that you thought Crosby was pushing Jabara and that Jasmine was right to, like, take his cues and let him sit out? Yeah, I think the one the one thing I didn't like that Jasmine did was just, like, sweep in, come home and be like, yeah, you don't have to do that. 
Yeah. yeah, that's annoying. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. It's okay. Really? Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and right in front of Crosby. Yeah, that would be a big, like, you have to, you, that's a one, like, parenting, like, at least for Austin and I, like, you have to be on the same side because you can't get to a point where your kids are tattling. Because my kids will sometimes tattle on daddy. Like, and I've never, I, every time they do that, I'm like, what do you think I'm going to say? Do you think that I'm going to, I mean, do you think I'm not going to be on his side? Yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a, a no-no. That's a no-no. You can't do that. That's not fair. Yeah, so I was on Jasmine's side in the sense that I wished the two of them had come to a consensus together. And and I wish that Jasmine had kind of convinced Crosby because I thought everyone is acting like this is some tragedy that Jabbar has chosen not to perform. And I thought, why is no one excited that Sydney has the part? You know, like she's genuinely excited to do it. And Zeke's like, this is unacceptable. And I'm like, well, your granddaughter's doing a great job. Everybody's happy. I don't understand what the problem is. But yeah, so that that was the one thing that I, I do agree with Crosby that Jasmine tends to take over. I don't think that's fair to Crosby. And I get that this was like his big thing. He was really excited. But I do think that it tends to be like a family trait, especially with the men in the family, where when something is exciting for them, it's like they project and and they make their thing they make it seem like it's all about their kid, but it's really all about them. Like now I'm thinking of the walkathon when Adam was forcing everyone to go to the walkathon, even though there was all that drama with, with Hattie and, and uh, Amber. And it was supposed to be for Max, but really it was, I think, for him. And, and here, Crosby, it seems like a really loving thing. He wants his son not to be scared and to face his fears. And I think you can make that argument. I think you can look at it that way. But at the same I'm time... I'm about to. Oh, good. <laughs> well, let's hear from you. I think, I think I've made my point. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you didn't at all. You really didn't. I just think... I don't think it's good to push kids to do things they don't want to do. And I think you raise a good point. Like, well, I, I also wonder, like, why is everyone so invested in this school play? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just to begin with. But I also think you should teach your kids that you can't just give up on something the second yes. that you feel nervous mm-hmm. or Very scared. That's a good point. And so yeah. and I felt like, I don't know, just from what I was seeing of the way Jabbar was behaving, he seemed more disinterested and just like apprehensive than he did like scared. Mm. And so I sort of felt like, let him know that he is able to do it. Like if that's what he's feeling, like is just doubt then push through it. And and I think something that they didn't do, and maybe it's just because it wouldn't be very good television, <laughs> I would think that it would be really important to follow up with the kid afterwards. Because like they did show that Jabbar was really happy after yeah. he did a good job. And I would think you would want to really talk to him and say like, I'm so proud of you because you were so nervous mm-hmm. and you thought that maybe you weren't going to be able to do it. And then you were able to do it. And you really enjoyed it then. So that the next time he feels that way, you can say, hey, remember when you were really nervous in the school play and you got through that? That's oh my a God. good you point. You know what? That is a really good point. You're and turning like, us around. <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying. I think 
Yes. I, I think my point was probably more extreme and you're right. Like it is so important to push your kids to try new things and complete tasks. Like I got what Zeke was saying, but I feel like maybe just because I was so wound up by the rest of the family <laughs> that I was like, leave the freaking kid alone. Like, and you know, and I think also I have, I have to, like my middle son is deathly afraid of being on zoom of being in like he does not want to be pulled out of the crowd like I even on his birthday for his birthday I was like oh do you want me to bring cupcakes to school for you and he was so terrified I was going to do that he was like no they're going to sing happy birthday to me and I'm like what the fuck is your problem like <laughs> that's great right no but so he's terrified so like when it comes time to do these little kid plays, I make him participate, but it might not be on stage. You know, like maybe he's going to be doing something else. Like you got to really, you got to read, read the yeah. room, read, read your kid. Another thing that they could have done too, and that I've, I remember doing this for kids too, is that like they do it together. Like why couldn't those two kids do that one line? Was there a reason why? Like they couldn't both just go up there and be like, go cut or whatever. Like another <laughs> thing I noticed that was missing and I'm kind of going off a little bit is that I have never been to a kid's play or directed a kid's play where there's not a teacher or two kneeling on the carpet in front of them doing all of the actions and telling yeah, them what to that's say. That's a good point. Like, <laughs> I was like, where? These kids must be from California. Like, cause they, <laughs> I guess they're just born. It's this almost way. like they were professional actors. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, and I wondered, like, once they started dancing at the end, and I thought the dancing wasn't great, but they are children. But <laughs> I, so here was one of my issues with this storyline. In as much as it revolved around performing and like performance anxiety or anything. Why wasn't Jasmine a bigger part of this story? Oh yeah, she's, she's a, a dancer, professional and a dancer. She and like I, so I had two issues with this. One, she should have choreographed the play. <laughs> like, yeah. if Joel and Crosby are there, let's throw Jasmine in there too. She's the <laughs> only one with any like credentials. Yeah. And then secondly, in the so I I was a little more on Crosby's side of the disagreement between him and Jasmine, but. Jasmine's reaction was so peculiar to me that it seemed like perhaps there was an explanation to it or a story behind it. I mean, that she was saying Jabbar saying this one line was going to send him into therapy for life. Yeah. It made me think, oh, so Jasmine, who pushed you into performing against your will? Mm. Was it Renee, your mother? Was it someone else? Did you not want to be a dancer and yet you were forced into it like Melissa <laughs> and then it just turned into a career I, I don't know it, her reaction seems that's to speak true to some other thing and huh. it was just entirely not explored why Jasmine felt that way at all and I'm like but she's a performer she would probably have some very specific reason why she would have the opinion that she had and I wished I knew what it was because otherwise, then I was just like, oh, well, Jasmine's just being controlling. And I don't think that was it. It seemed like there was something else going on. I don't know. Yeah, she also said, oh, you know, if if he messes up his line or if he freezes, it'll crush me or something like that. She says it like it'll it'll crush me. Yeah. yeah. That stood out to me. I had to kind of do a double take like what? Like 
I mean, you, like, I guess I just don't know people like this, but like, <laughs> it's your kid. They, they literally can fart and you can film it and it's funny and you love it forever. Like, why do you care? Like, you really care if your kid messes up? Uh, yeah. And then that scene where they, they, they're all waiting for the kid to come out on stage and it gets real quiet and it's like, uh oh, is this kid going to ruin the family's good name? You know, like, <laughs> Like everybody's holy. It's like a freely. I mean, it's cute when kids mess up. They film it for a reason. That's why people love getting flower girls because the bet it's not fun if the flower girl's not gonna throw a fit, you know, or <laughs> your pants. You know, that's that. That's what kid. That's why kids are funny to watch because they screw up. That's but, a good point. You know, that's a really so good why point. Is, why is everybody like? <gasps> Is that the theme? No, the fourth wall is being broken, or like I mean, like what, the, like, what is this? You stupid idiot! You reminded me of Sister Act Two when they played the intro, Joyful, yes. Joyful, and oh no, Lauren Hill's not singing yet. Let me play the intro again. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you all make valid points. That was bad at debate because I agree with the other side. But I also, I, I also think you guys raised a good point about. I do think Crosby's motivation is a little dubious because yes. it does seem like it's a lot about his ego. Like I'm going to prove that I'm good enough to get my kid to say his line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I'm going to no, prove to my daddy, I got the pants in the family. Right. Like, it's like that no, line. you should want to teach Jabbar that he has it within him to overcome those nerves. That's a yeah. good lesson. Yeah. You proving to your daddy that you're a good dad too dumb lesson yes <laughs> right yeah it's like you couldn't really tell it could have gone both ways it could have gone you couldn't tell where the writers wanted us to go with that could we all agree that the resolution with sydney was perfect though like uh, <laughs> i actually cute. had a big problem with that really? I, I was mad that they didn't let her keep it because you can't just go in and take her role from her and then she's wow. like oh i'm fine with it i would be mad i'd be like no he can come up on stage i took I did all the freaking work. That's me sitting. That's oh, me being sitting. And I had the opposite. I was like, why are you negotiating with this six-year-old? Here's how I, how about you do it this way? You're six. I'm in charge. Jabbar's doing your lines now. Done. Oh, Boom. man. <laughs> so I, I don't negotiate. It's like you don't negotiate with terrorists. I don't negotiate with six-year-olds. It was funny, though. It was so charming. It was cute. It was also like there was a, that was another point in that in the whole episode where you're like, wow, boundaries in this family arc always cross because he just without even asking his <laughs> the dad, like, I'll take you to the movies tomorrow. That's and like, I was like, wow, are they in a commune? Because I would be like to my sister or Sally, hey, or if you're not busy, is it okay if I come get the kids? Like, I wouldn't be like, I'm taking it. I mean, I guess that's what it's like in really cool people's houses, but not mine. Like, you, I'd be like, um, you don't know what she's doing tomorrow. I'm the daddy. Sorry. No, that's true. Maybe he should have run it by Joel first, but boy, I really. It was cute. It was cute, but I was also nervous because at first I was like, don't just take this part from her. She mm -hmm. she did all the work. That's that's unacceptable. And so when when he offered that movie date and she seemed excited and was negotiating, I was just happy that she wasn't pissed. Yeah, because I thought yeah. she deserves to be pissed. This isn't fair. And so then I was like, okay, good. It all works out. She gets to go to the movies and that's my favorite thing in the whole world. And so I thought she got the better end of this. It's fine. Yes. She still gets to be Marilyn Monroe and have the best exactly. lines in the whole play. I'm like, she's not hurting. She's doing fine. It's like a continuing trend that I feel like the kids are 
wiser and nicer than the parents. Cause like it never occurred to, to Crosby that it was going to be taking the line away from Sydney. It took Jabbar to go. So is Sydney going to say it too? It's like still Jabbar is the sweet angel child who cares about his cousin's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And Crosby's like, oh, I'll just buy her off. I, I you know, <laughs> and I actually, see, I actually, I thought that was another thing. I of, feel drunk. Are you going to play a clip? I'm only a little bit drunk. No, I'm not. (laughs) But that was another thing that got me about that storyline. I kind of felt like Crosby was creating a problem and creating drama where there was no problem and where there was no drama. Mm -hmm. That's also very Braverman-esque. Yes. I was like, both Jabbar (laughs) and Sydney are happy with the situation and... Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think that was something else that got me. I'm like, why, why are you pushing this? Sydney's happy, Jabbar's happy. I don't, there's no problem here. And so yeah, I think that still, was, Yeah, he's still going to be on stage. He's still performing. Like, he's still, yeah, a, that's fair right? Too. Like, he's still there. Yeah, he didn't drop out of the play. So, mm-hmm. but, but it was awfully cute to see Jabbar in the, in the car at the end. And he was singing the little songs about, we got the avocado in the tree. <laughs> he was so happy. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, I am glad to see him so happy. Yeah, that's nice. Well, before we leave the storyline forever, (laughs) because Lucy mentioned it earlier, I also noted this just bizarre exchange between Zeke and Crosby. This is Jasmine's idea. What the hell does she know? I mean, come on, let me let me talk to him. You're not going to talk to him because he doesn't want to do it and she doesn't want to push him. So there's nothing for you to say. Well, how do you feel about it? It doesn't matter how I feel about it. She's the mom. What do you mean it doesn't matter how you feel about it? He's your son, Crosby. You gotta have a say in this thing. You're setting a dangerous precedent here. You get, who wears the pants in the family? What year do you think this is? The 50s? There's no one wearing the pants or not wearing the pants, you know? It's a partnership. God, that sounds dreadful. Yeah, like I hated that <laughs> whole conversation. I was like, what? That he, this <laughs> grandpa is making something where there's nothing this is a dangerous precedent like there's a lot of things that are dangerous but letting the mom take control is not because it's always the best thing (laughs) (laughs) as much as it is a partnership i don't know but at least for me and the way austin and i parent we are very much 50 50 but i have all the paperwork like i do like sometimes i think man if i die these kids are like you know, <laughs> in the best way like they're I mean they're gonna be loved they're gonna have money they're gonna be fine but like you're the detailed person yes and so I guess maybe that can come off as being controlling but it's also because they allow it you know they go like Crosby allows it now it's like now when his daddy's saying you gotta be a man he's like I'm gonna throw a fit and get my way and then I'm the man for a night like shut the fuck up you know like I don't know I hated that whole exchange sorry I kind of like that at least someone finally called Zeke a little bit on his, you know, just that someone said like, what year are you living in? <laughs> yeah. But then also just to have his last line be so brazenly sexist. <laughs> that sounds like, dreadful. We do still want to like Zeke, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially after all he's gone through with Camille, mm-hmm. for him to be like, ugh, I don't want a partnership. They <laughs> knew they could get away with you that in this episode because of 
how the Drew storyline goes. And he's so damn oh, sweet. That's true. So they knew they could put in some sexism and damn it, he would charm his way right out of it because he was very sweet in the Drew storyline. And even just joking on the way to the car when they're parked and Amber's like, God, where did we park? And he's like, do you need some oxygen? It's like, <laughs> you know what, it all... I forgive him. You know, I took almost no notes on the wrapping paper storyline. And I said, like, the wrapping paper storyline seemed like a real throwaway. And yet I totally enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times the throwaway storylines, I'm like, ugh, what? This is just filler. But this one I loved. It seemed believable, you know, like a, a believable conflict. It was funny to me. And I thought it was like, it's kind of nice to have a story that doesn't have every ounce of tearful drama <laughs> ringed out of it, that it's just a little like slice of life. Oh, yeah. Drew forgot to sell this paper. Oh, we took care of it. And I thought it went <laughs> to some pretty it. like weighty places without without, like you said, being melodramatic or anything. It reminded me. I mean, I, I grew up pretty poor. We've talked about, you know, our backgrounds and stuff before. My mom never would have been able to just pay for hundreds of dollars of whatever crap I was selling to go on like a band trip in my case, you know, I always had to sell that stuff and it made me very uncomfortable to do it. I, I never, mm -hmm. I, I never felt like I was very good at it to this day. I'm glad I'm not a salesperson. It's just not my bag. When I have to like promote my poetry, I feel real weird about it. You know, do you do like, Hey, if you don't mind, it's okay if you don't want to read it, but if you don't mind, yes. maybe, you know, I don't want to impose, you know what? Never mind. Give it back. I'm not going to make you do it. No. If you'd rather just run me over with a car feel free and yeah it's just here's ten dollars sorry i took up so much of your time talking right. about my garbage poetry <laughs> no you know, no you know. no i know what you mean no. though that's exactly it and so i hate it when like, you're out ten bucks yeah <laughs> so i got it with drew like and and i loved that Sarah wanted to be the kind of parent who could do that because her kids are the opposite of entitled. I don't think they're in any danger of being entitled, which is what she was saying to her dad. And I, I loved that. She was like, it's because they're in no danger of being entitled. I would like to just do that shit sometimes. Just pay for it and not put him through it because he's he's been standing since he was born or whatever weird thing she said. Yeah. Um, yeah. That reminds me, it's not the same at all, but I had a laptop stolen out of my apartment oh God. about six years ago. And I was working on a show at the time. And the writer of the show, who's very famous, I won't drop the name, he offered to buy me a replacement laptop. Whoa. And at first I said, oh, no, that's fine. I don't take it. it. Yeah. And then I was talking to my mom about it that night. And she said, Caleb. <laughs> Take it. And she said, I would love to buy you a replacement laptop and just take care of this, but I'm not in a position to do it. Yeah. He is. It doesn't mean anything to him financially. It's of no consequence to him, but it means a lot to you. So take it in the spirit in which it's offered. Yeah. And be grateful and be appreciative, but take it. <laughs> we, we ended up going halvesies on it. Wow. But, yeah. That's so cool. I uh, I never could sell those things. But, you know, I get asked to do these stinking things, too, where I have to, you know, try to sell $40 bottles of, you know, like shampoo or the <laughs> wrapping paper is the real thing. That was very legit. 
I've never been able to do that for June or Frank because at least at their age, they don't ask the kids to really do it. They're like, here, go. And so parents are going and they have to like take it to their work and ask people to bait. And I can't do that because I work for a government. So that's actually very illegal. So, but I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm done. You want to know what kids do? (laughs) You know what kids sell now? It's bonkers. It's they sell mattresses. Have you heard about this? Like that's the latest. Oh, I think I have. Yeah. I I made a Facebook post once about it that I thought was quite funny where I was like, (laughs) in my day, we sold wrapping paper. You know, it's like, like, like literally they want you to drop like a thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we used to sell like magazine subscriptions and magazines don't exist anymore. Right. (laughs) But now they're like, it, no, it's a great idea. See, because you probably need a new mattress. When was the last time you bought one? And then they get you thinking about how old your mattress is and it's probably too old. And then they're like, yeah, don't buy it from a store. Come on down and buy it from us. And it's literally like $1,000 or <laughs> something insane. Really? No, I bet I'm wrong about that. It's no, probably It's probably a couple hundred, but it still felt like a very pricey thing to, to ask people to invest in. That was a good storyline, though. I thought it was really, it was nice and light. I did look up one thing, and it was in regards to this storyline. The Buddhist who doesn't celebrate Christmas, she says, you know, if you have any Visakha Puja wrapping paper, I'll take that. Visakha Puja is a holiday in Buddhism celebrating the birth, enlightenment, and death of Buddha. Nice. The exact day varies because it's tied to the lunar calendar, Mm. or at least so says Google. (laughs) It sounds a lot like Christmas. (laughs) So that's very clever of that woman. (laughs) Well, um, I want to be sure at some point before we end one thing that we didn't talk. So maybe it's like stray observations, but Amber's conversation with Alex and we're nowhere near that part now. Oh, well, let's just dive in here. I'll play it. Hello? Alex, hey, it's uh, Amber, Hattie's cousin. Hey, um, how's she doing? She's okay. Listen, um, I just wanted to talk to you because I heard that you aren't speaking to her. Which sounds to me like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. She's obviously doing this thing with her parents because of you. She's doing it so that your feelings don't get hurt. So it's just a little confusing to me that you're not talking to her when she's just trying to help you. She needs you, you know what I mean? So it just kind of sucks. And if you blow this, you're the stupidest person ever because she's the most incredible person that exists. Aren't you the thoughtful cousin? I have my moments. Yeah, but it's a little more complicated than that. It's a lot I need to think about. That's annoying. She'll be at this phone number for the next 45 minutes, and then you're on your own. Bye. Here's how maybe I can connect it so that it's not just totally off topic. Didn't Sarah raise good kids? You know, you got Drew who, like, I get that he's putting her out right now, but like, he's a sweetie, you know? And I, I loved, I loved when Sarah was like, cause you're a little nosy, you're a little mad, like, you know, she loves her kids so much. And like, Amber, what a, what a wonderful person. Like that one, that was like beautiful. And she talked so much like a teenager in that scene where she yes. was, it was so hyperbolic. She's the most incredible person who exists. That would make you the stupidest person in the world, you know, or whatever. Yes. Uh, I would say I was about, I was just about to say that thing, the same thing where, you know, even though 
some of that stuff wasn't well thought out, but she's a teenager. So none of that would, should be really well thought out. You know, it was, it was really well written. That's a good point. Cause I put like, this sounds improvised and not in a good way. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was kind of clumsy, but it was. you're probably right. She, she wouldn't be like, super articulate she would no. talk like a teenager no she and drew continue to be like the cutest little sibling yeah, they were arm in arm yes as they were walking, walking back in the, the car. car i was like i'm very close to my sisters i don't think i've ever walked anywhere with them arm in arm <laughs> except like down the aisle at their wedding yeah <laughs> my brother did that for me too <laughs> yeah i i thought it it was a hard episode, but I learned a lot and I may watch another one, but, hey! I, <laughs> but I will only watch another one. If you promise me that it's not just so full of people being angry and stressed and like a it was like a road rage. It was like watching road rage. And that's why I think I loved that Sarah character and her kids, because it's like, chill out i don't know it was rough <laughs> but it was a good it was good acting mm -hmm. yeah it's a lot of people being angry at each other that is true <laughs> it was it was an intense episode for sure well i think that'll do it for, for us on this episode all right thank well, you so much lucy well lucy, you're welcome wonderful. i'm sorry you can't see my face i'm, <laughs> I'm looking at your face i'm sorry it's okay i can hear your dulcet tone <laughs> that's wonderful listeners please um follow us like us everywhere parenthoodpals.com leave us a rating or a review we really love it and until next time may god bless and keep you always and may your wishes all come true <laughs>